If someone else were writing the story of Christmas, the shepherds may have been included for comic relief. A few rough blue-collar guys to anchor the fantastic plot in reality. But God honors shepherds. King David was a shepherd, and the promised Messiah, born that night not far away, was the greatest shepherd of all. These guys were no joke to the angels who brought the birth announcement. Yes, the shepherds were scared when the darkness exploded in light all around them. Who wouldn't be? But they heard the message, and they believed it. The Messiah has come. And after they found the baby, they were the first to tell the story of Christmas, the one we're still telling today. Good morning again. It is great to have you worshiping with us here at Faith Bible Church, and I will tell you that I am very excited about Christmas, excited for the opportunity to spend time with family. Some of you know that oftentimes what we do is we travel to Jackson Hole, Wyoming to spend time with my parents and enjoy uh, the opportunity to go skiing. But what I will also tell you is this, that as we travel, as much as there is anticipation and excitement, there is also this nervous until we are actually in Jackson Hole. Now, why would that be? Well, several years ago, what I will tell you is our family was off to Jackson. We were excited to arrive and be with our family by Christmas night. But God had other plans. Interestingly enough, we had landed in Denver, which is generally the way that we go. And then we had our second flight up to Jackson Hole. And in our minds that evening, we would be enjoying Christmas dinner with family. However, when we got to Denver, we discovered that there was weather in Jackson. And the flight that we were supposed to take had been canceled. Now, all I'm going to say is this. It is not a good thing to be on a flight to Jackson Hole with a family of then five people trying to get into that ski area over Christmas. We soon discovered, to the joy of the airlines, that they came to us and they said, sure, we can get you up to Jackson on December 31st. We turned to them and we said, but we're leaving on the 2nd. It's the 25th. That doesn't do us any good. So interestingly enough, I had some creative ideas. I knew of some airports that were in the surrounding area, and we began to try to see if we could get to an airport that was closer. Unfortunately, other people had those ideas as well. But I knew of a little airport, an undiscovered one, one that not many people fly into, and that was the airport of Casper, Wyoming, where my dad was born and raised. So we decided to do so, getting us closer to our goal of Jackson Hole, but it still left us 250 miles or a five-hour drive over Togety Pass to get to Jackson. 
What I will tell you is this, there are some do's and don'ts when driving into Jackson, and what you don't do is you don't drive into Jackson in the winter. The next thing you don't do is drive to Jackson over Togarty Pass in the winter. And the last thing that you do is you don't drive to Jackson over Togarty Pass in the winter in the darkness. We got in to Casper at about four o'clock, had some dinner, rented a Suburban, and started the trek. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in Wyoming, but I will tell you this. The moment that you leave Casper, it is an interesting thing. Because between Casper and Dubois, there's not a lot going on. There's a little town of Shoshone, and that is about the halfway mark of the journey. Why am I bringing this up? The reason that I'm bringing this up is out on that drive, you are in places where if ever there were UFOs, no, I'm not heretical, and no, I don't believe in them, but this is where you would be abducted. <laughs> nothing out there, nothing going on. But what's interesting is this. This is cattle country and this is sheep country. This is where those individuals take care of these animals. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is it's often interesting to think about the quietness, the stillness, the darkness, the monotony of shepherding. And on a night as we were driving like that, several thousand years ago, shepherds were doing their thing, spending time taking care of their sheep and, in a sense, an abduction occurred. But angels appeared, announcing the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. I often wonder sometimes why God chose to move in this direction. And earlier we saw in the video that God was demonstrating his faithfulness to us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the blessing of which we receive and the joy of what we celebrate. The fact that indeed that a Messiah has come to live and to die to bring us eternal life so that we might have salvation. But I often wonder too that God could have chosen to gone to the greats. He could have chosen to gone to Caesar. He could have chosen to gone to Rome to announce to those in the world that were visibly the important powerful entities that the Messiah had arrived. But he chose to go to culturally what were sort of the lowest of the low, the overlooked, the shepherds. And why is that? Because we know that David was a shepherd, and we know that Jesus has become the ultimate shepherd of our souls. This morning, we're going to be looking at that event. If you have your Bibles with you, I would ask that you would turn with me to Luke chapter 2. But what I want to do in this, before we get there, is ask a simple question, which is, how can the joy of the Lord be our strength? I don't need to see a raise of hands this morning, but I want to ask several of you, how are you doing right now? Christmas time is a wonderful time. But also, in reality, Christmas time is a very difficult time. I know many people over the holidays, it's a very stressful event for a variety of reasons. Perhaps it is due to family dynamics. Perhaps 
it is a remembrance of a loved one who is no longer with you. Perhaps it is the first celebration of Christmas without someone that you know, love, and cherish. And so this morning, what I want to throw out to all of us is, is how can the joy of the Lord be our strength? One of the things that I wanted to bring up this morning is several of you know that on Friday, I was out of town to a friend's funeral. Uh, this friend passed away from stage four colon cancer at the age of 51. And interestingly enough, what I will tell you is, is that that day was very hard. But I will also tell you that there was an underlying sense of joy. And the reason there was the underlying sense of joy was because we knew that our friend Brad Woods undoubtedly had gone to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so where I'm going with this is as challenging as that was, the joy was knowing indeed that he is now whole because of this great shepherd. And those are the things that I want to encourage us in. Because as I look out across the room, as we move toward our celebration of our Christmas Eve service, which is one of my favorites, and we watch families come forward and partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, it's a continual reminder of the joys, but also the challenges that are out there for all of us. But what I also want to encourage us in is as we go through life, as we go through those challenges, we can have the joy of the Lord being our strength. Again, let's turn to this account in Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 8 and read through verse 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and a baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Friends, this morning we see an exciting story, but oftentimes what we perceive is a simple one. One of the greatest things that I enjoy, obviously at Christmas time, is reading essentially the Christmas story with family. It's a tradition that we have. It's something that I've enjoyed for many years. But oftentimes when we look at this passage, we can overlook the long-awaited anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah. And so what I want to do before we dive into this text is remind us that for centuries after the promises had been given, 
after things had been forgotten, after things had begun to become doubted, that's when the Messiah chose to come. We look back to the prophets. We look back to the text of Isaiah. We look back to the text of Micah. We recognize that the promise of the Messiah was given. We realize that when God says he will do, but we also don't necessarily know when God will choose to do so. And what we must remember is, is back in those dark days for the nation of Israel, both of those prophets were saying that things were going to get harder. Things were going to become darker. Things were going to become more challenging. But they also said, but as they do, I promise you that a Messiah will come and he will bring peace and joy and comfort and rest to all of the nations. And so these individuals moving into a darker period began to trust in the promises of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I know my own human spirit. I have a feeling that many of them felt that the challenge would only be for a little while. That none of them recognized that they would go to their graves and the Messiah would not have come. They didn't realize that their children would go to their graves. Their children's children and their children's children, children would go to their graves. And the Messiah would not come. To the point that the promises would have been forgotten. 700, 800 years would go by before on that dark night, an angel and the heavenly hosts would come to the shepherds announcing that the Messiah had been born. Friends, what I want to tell you is this, that oftentimes in our lives, challenges can come, things can be difficult, and the joy of life can be sucked out of us. But what I want to tell you is this, that as we walk with Christ, as we hold him in our arms, recognizing that he holds us in his hand, the joy of the Lord is our strength. As we look into this passage, the first thing that I'd like you to see, particularly in verses 8 and 9, is this, that encountering the glory of the Lord should render a response of awe, reverence, and fear. Now, obviously, I don't know about you, but if I were out in the middle of Wyoming and the next thing you know, a great light of heavenly hosts came to me, I have a feeling that I, too, would be terrified because it's not natural. It's not the norm. But one of the things that I want to show you as we look at these two, tech, or these two passages in this text is the response that the shepherds have. As we look at verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Friends, one of the things that I think is important for us is to recognize the magnitude of the God whom we worship. These are just angels. This isn't the heavenly host of God and the Father and the Son. These are his messengers, and these individuals are terrified at what they see. And so lovingly, what I want to ask you is simply this. Number one is, have you encountered the glory of the Lord? Truthfully, holy, and righteously in your life. And then the next question that I have is, if you have, then the follow-up question I want to ask you is, has your response been one of awe, reverence, and fear? What do we mean by this? Well, what I want to ask you is simply this. If you've encountered the glory of the Lord, 
And it's just a passing glimpse. It's just something that was there and gone. And it hasn't transformed your life. It hasn't brought you to a point of reverence, awe, fear, and reverence. I'm not God, but lovingly what I will tell you is I would question if you've encountered the joy of the Lord. Because when we do, when we see truly who God is, the shepherd of God's people, the savior of mankind, our response should be one of awe, reverence, and fear. I'm using the word fear here not necessarily out of what we would say is a horror movie. I'm using the word here as one of magnification, magnitude, awe, reverence, and submission. And so, yes, these shepherds were terrified because on a normal night, quietly out in the fields near Bethlehem, these shepherds were doing their thing just as like these mutton relocation engineers would do in Wyoming. And the next thing you know, the glory of the Lord appears. So what I want to ask you this morning, first and foremost, is this. As we move to Christmas as we move to the celebration of the birth of our Messiah, number one is the joy of the Lord, your strength. But more important, after having encountered the glory of the Lord, has your response been one of awe, reverence, and fear? Has it changed your life? Has it changed the trajectory of where you are going? Are you different today than you were before you encountered God? Or is it just a story? We continue in this passage, and we look particularly at verse 10, and it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. One of the things that I think is interesting is the first response that we see of the shepherds is one of being terrified. And honestly, I would tell you that I probably would be similar or even worse but what I also love is then the response that the angel gives. Just take a minute and place yourself out in the middle of nowhere. Place yourself in a spot where there are no city lights, where you can see the stars of the sky. Most likely probably look up and see the Milky Way. And the next thing you know, a great light appears. What is your initial thought? I don't know about you, but probably not good. But then watch the message that is given. Watch what is stated. Watch how our God chooses to reveal himself in magnitude, but yet in compassion, joy, and salvation. Well, as we look at these verses, what I want to show you as we look down in them is sort of the main aspect of this. Encountering the glory of the Lord should generate great joy when we discover Christ our Savior. We look, and the angel says, Do not be 
afraid. My heartbeat, my stress level would go down the moment that the angel says that. Of all of the things that an angel could say, of all of the things that would, could be introductory, the angel says, do not be afraid. And friends, what I want to show you is this. How many of us are afraid when we come before the face of God? When we come before the face of who God is in our own iniquities, in our own inabilities, and we wonder how God will respond to us. God sends his messenger and de-escalates the fear with the words, do not be afraid. And then it's followed up with the message. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. If ever good, great, and all could be amplified, it's in this statement. I bring you good news. What is the good news? The good news is the Messiah has come. And a Messiah will go to the cross to bring us eternal life. I don't think that the shepherds understand wholly what the good news is. And yet the message starts here. Great joy. We're going to have a king. We're going to have someone who will live, who will bring us out of tyranny, who will hopefully overtake the Roman Empire, bring us freedom, put us back to our rightful place, and hopefully we will be home. No. This king, this Messiah, who's born, will go to the cross and die. But the reason he will die is to bring you and all people the opportunity for eternal life in his everlasting kingdom that will never end. And what I love is this. Not only is it good news of great joy, but it is for all the people. It isn't for a select few, it isn't for the elite, it isn't for the upper echelon, it isn't for the wealthy, it isn't for the educated, it's for all people. Don't ever miss that. Because oftentimes in our lives, we can think in this world that is so about power, prestige, promotion, honor, and blessing through manipulated means. How could a God love me? But the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now stop there for a minute. Think about this. You have just been out in the middle of a field. It's a night of nights, like any other, not much going on. You're probably staring up at the stars, maybe getting ready to doze off to go to sleep. Perhaps your campfire is starting to dwindle. And the next thing you know, again, this angel appears, de-escalates the situation and says, don't be afraid. And then says, P.S., I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What's the news? 
What is it that you bring? What is it that you want to tell us? Think through this for a minute. What a major buzzkill if the angel said, but I got to go. What do you bring? What is this good news? What is this great joy? What is this message for all the people? And what do you mean by that? But they continue on and it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Today, Eight hundred, seven hundred and fifty years of the promise that has been forgotten, doubted, discouraged, and dry. Today, a Savior has been born for you in the town of David. Showing, number one, that the authentication of the Messiah is real. We told you it would happen. We told you it would be in the town of David. We said that's where it would occur. We didn't tell you when, but I'm telling you it's today, and it's happened and happening. And interestingly enough, don't pass over these words. Has been born. He's here. But don't miss this part. Has been born. Great. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. To you. Plural inclusive. Don't miss that. A Savior has been born. Not just to you. Not just being born. Not to you over here. But to you. Anyone who will come to all people. And not only has, been has he been born to you, all people, he is not just a baby, not just a savior, not just a savior who will bring you out of the tyranny of Rome, not just someone who will help you with your economic status, not someone who will make your life better today and then turn on you and rob you tomorrow. He is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the promised one, the chosen one, who will deliver God's people for ever and establish an eternal kingdom that will never end. That's the message that's going on here. And I don't, I don't blame the shepherds. I don't think that they fully understood those words and the magnitude of what had just been stated. But we have the blessing of being on this side of that announcement with the fullness of what transpired. And it continues. This will be a sign to you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. We talk about this often, but I, I just, I, I cannot fathom the magnitude of looking at the helpless child who is the maker and creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth. But that's our king. That's our Messiah. That's the one who will change the course of history forever. And then, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, okay, so if you don't get it, if this already isn't big enough, if your night hasn't been transformed by the angel coming before you and telling you, I bring you good news of great joy. Today, a Savior has been born in the town of Bethlehem for you. A greater host of angels appear praising God and saying what? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men or mankind on whom his favor rests. So not only are they praising God, not only are they exalting the arrival of the Messiah, not only are they announcing the magnitude of what has transpired and is transpiring, but also this, and on earth, peace to men, mankind. Friends, again, I think as we look around the world, it doesn't take very long to recognize that our world is not at peace. I think we just take a couple of minutes and we look at the local news lines, we look at what's going on, and it's pretty easy to get a great big dose of depression. But what brings strength to our hearts is the joy of the Lord, knowing what? The statement that follows. Peace to men or mankind on whom what? His favor rests. So not only is this message all-inclusive for anyone who will come to the king, for all of mankind, for anyone who will place their faith and trust in Jesus. But we will bring glory to God in the highest. But what will come is peace to men or mankind on whom his favor rests. Think about that. Think about that right now as we look at the world that we are in here in 2021. I'm an optimist. I enjoy my life. But I will look around and I will tell you, as I look at what's going on in the world, I'm not very optimistic about it. But I have a great peace. And the reason that I have that peace is because God's favor by his grace and his mercy and his love and his birth and his death and his resurrection and his promise to come again and the establishment of his kingdom rests favorably on me.
And so the joy of the Lord is my strength, knowing that God's favor brings me peace because it rests upon who I am through Christ. We should have a great joy when we discover who Christ our Savior is. The other thing that I want to show you is this. Um, oftentimes I've kind of wondered, and um, this is just me and my life, I'm like, God, why now? Right? Why, why have you placed me here in this day, in this age? Have any of you ever wondered or wanted to be like one of the shepherds or the wise men or one of the people that got to actually see Jesus? Nobody? Am I just weird? Okay, I guess I am. I've always wondered what would it be like? What would it have been like to touch the hands of Jesus? And for those of you that maybe do wonder out there, we often wonder why. But also I want to show you this verse in 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. How many of you believe in him? Okay, that's good. Great. Praise God. <laughs> and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Just, how many of you can sort of explain, but not wholly the joy that you have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I mean, I can, I can explain it, I can do what I can, but there comes this sort of limit where I can't fully explain it. For you are receiving the goal of your faith. Each and every single day. What is the goal of our faith? The salvation of our souls. When we discover Christ our Savior, capital S, not a good guy, not just a prophet, not just a king who would come and establish a kingdom that would fall, but the Savior of our souls forever from sin, from death, from the pit of hell, to take us to a place of inheritance in his kingdom that will never end as his son or daughter with full rights and privileges in that eternal kingdom. What else should we have but great joy? So friends, one of the things that I want to encourage you in is this. In order to have that joy, we must remember and recognize where we are destined without Jesus. This isn't some cutesy little show where God just wants to show a display of his greatness and then leave mankind dark and destitute. The arrival of the Messiah, as joyous and as blessed as it is, as amazing as it is to look at the God and creator of the universe in an infant babe, isn't the message. It isn't the goal. It isn't the mission. 
The mission of that babe is to go to the cross and die upon it so you and I who scorn the Messiah can have eternal life and can have God turn to us and say, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that brings amazing joy to my heart. Because I guarantee you, before I knew Jesus, there was a lot of forgive him because he knows not what he does. And so friends, even though we have not seen him, we will see him. And the joy that we have is the fact that we know the goal of our faith each and every day is being brought to fruition through our Savior Jesus, which is what? The salvation of our souls. And so as we look at the joy of the Lord being our strength, we've seen in the first couple of verses that we, when we encounter the glory of the Lord, it should render a response of awe, reverence, and fear. But also encountering the glory of the Lord should generate a great joy when we discover Christ our Savior. And friends, I want to pause there for a minute and just lovingly ask, have you discovered Christ our Savior? Because as great as Christmas is, as wonderful as the trees are, as awesome as the Christmas cookies are, as much fun as it is going to see my family in Jackson, all of that come January 1 will go away. And then we get into the monotony of January, February, and March in Iowa. And lovingly, friends, that is when the joy of the Lord is my strength. We look at verses 15 to 18 and we continue on and we see that the joy discovered in Christ should cause a desire to know him and to share him with others. Friends, it is one thing to hear about Jesus. It's another to encounter him. It's another to find him. It's another to make him your savior. And yet when we have, the one thing that I would say is simply this. We would want to know him. I don't know about you, but if somebody came to me and said, I bring you good news of great joy today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. He will bring salvation to mankind. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to say, oh, great, that's awesome. Thank you very much. I'm going to get back to my shepherding. I want to know him. I want to see him. I want to see who is this man this child that can bring me eternal life. I want to know who this is. And friends, I don't know that the shepherds understood the magnitude of what was going on, but we today recognize the story of Jesus. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is simply the fact that if you've encountered Jesus and yet you don't, know what to, you, you don't want to know him, you don't want to understand who he is. Again, I am not God, but I would ask, have you truly encountered Jesus? We see in verses 15 through 18, after this heavenly host says, glory to God in the highest, and on peace to men on whom his favor, uh, who his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said, whoa, that was cool, great. 
Don't tell anybody. The shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's drop what we're doing. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see who this is and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. A transformation of life. It wasn't, oh, you know, we got to do this, we got to do that. We'll figure it out and perhaps maybe we'll go. No, it's a dropping of all and a moving to the Messiah to discover this king who has brought eternal life. Let's go. And friends, lovingly, what I want to ask you is you may not be a shepherd, but have you dropped and said, let's go? Let's go to Bethlehem, figuratively speaking, or if you want to go, great. Bring me along. I'd love to go with you. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. They hurried off. They didn't delay. They didn't say, oh, when it's convenient for me. Oh, when I have enough time. Oh, when I have enough money. Oh, maybe. No, they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Friends, what I want to tell you is simply this. Christmas time is a wonderful opportunity for us to share the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Easter and Christmas, if ever there's a time where the secular world is eyeing and wondering why in the world do we always put Christmas trees up and spend a gajillion dollars and go into debt over buying things, we can turn to them and say there is way more to Christmas than what you see. And so friends, lovingly, what I want to ask you is, is are you telling people about why we celebrate Christmas? When given the opportunity, are you going to them and saying there is more to this than just presence around a tree? When we discover Christ, it should cause a desire not only to know him, but to share him with others. There is a Savior. There is a God. There is one who loves you unconditionally, irrevocably, who has gone to the cross to die upon it so that you can have eternal life and be part of God's kingdom securely, without fear, without doubt, and bring about that peace that's discussed on whom God's favor rests. That's a present. That's what I want to unwrap in my Christmas tree. And so, friends, why would we not want to share that gift with others? And then finally, the thing that I want to show you is this. This joy should cause one to ponder the gift given through Christ. It's interesting, and I've often wondered, what is Mary thinking? What exactly is going on in her mind? What we know is that there is something big Something deep because we see in these words, but married, right? So the shepherds go off, they tell everybody, they're great. I'm not saying that they're wrong. They're going and doing what they have seen. They're excited. They're saying, hey, this has happened. But then all of a sudden we see this transition. 
think about this sort of in a movie setting, right? It's all great and everything's going on and you see what's happening and the music goes and it's blah, 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 right? And then all of a sudden the music stops and the camera focuses and it singles out Mary. But Mary. treasured up all these things as she's pondered them in her heart. God, you've just given me a child whom I love, a son whom I will cherish, a son who I will raise, a son who is dependent on me. What does it mean that he is Christ the Lord? What does it mean that he is mine? What does it mean that he is a savior? What does it mean that he will bring peace to all mankind? What will you do, God, to my child? Where will this go? Enter song, Mary, did you know? you mean by this God? And then we see the shepherds. They return what? That was great. Awesome. Let's get back to what we're doing. No. They return glorifying and praising God. They obviously have been transformed. Their lives have been changed. And so lovingly, what I want to ask in this aspect is, in encountering Jesus, would you return glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen? Which is just as they had been told. Well, I'm not a shepherd. We weren't there. We don't know what's going on. Friends, to be honest with you, as much as I've wanted to be a shepherd, I see the reason why God has me here and the blessedness that we have is I have, we have, the full story unfolded. We see the entire gospel from beginning to end. We know who our Savior is. We know what he has done. We know why. We know where he is. We know who we are or who we are not in Jesus Christ. We know our destiny. We know the kingdom. We know, we know, we know. And just as the Messiah was promised, and just as the Messiah came, and just as the Messiah died on the cross, and just as the Messiah rose from the grave, and just as the Messiah has ascended into heaven, we wait. And what I will tell you is, is just as the Messiah has ascended into heaven, and just as God has promised he will return, he will. Someday, perhaps when I'm in the middle of Shoshone, Wyoming, driving to Jackson Hole. And what I ask is simply this. Have encountering God, has my heart changed? How can the joy of the Lord be our strength? We've seen these things. What I want to encourage you in is this passage in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. You want joy. You want joy this Christmas. May it be the God of hope. Filling you with a joy and a peace as you what? Trust in him. Friends, where is your trust? Where is your hope? Where are you placing your faith? Is it in other things or is it in our Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Why? What purpose? Why do we do this? So that, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, lovingly, I'm going to say this, and it's probably not popular, but I see so many Christians out there right now saying, the world's going to hell in a bleep. It's all done. It's terrible. It's awful. Yeah. Where's your hope? Are you filled with that hope? Or are you just going to bring this message of the world's getting bad, it's getting awful, might as well retreat, it's going terrible, don't know what's going on. If ever there's a time where the world needs Christians filled with hope, it's now. And may you overflow with the hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. How can the joy of the Lord be our strength? I leave you with this take-home truth, and that is simply this. That when we encounter the joy of Christ, when we truly know who our Messiah is and what He has done and where we are going and the joy that we have in Him, this should cause us to want to share Him with others. Friends, what I'll tell you is this. Stop talking about how bad the world is and start talking about how great our God is. Share Him with others. Speak to the blessedness of our Savior. Speak to the joy that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We just thank you for you. We thank you for the joy of who you are. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the message of Christmas, the birth of our Messiah. But beyond that, we also thank you for the promises that have been given. Lord, just as you had said that a Messiah would come, he did. And just as you have said that Christ will come again, he will. And so, Lord, as we are in essentially the middle of the story, May we recognize that what has come to fruition is proof positive of whom we worship. What is yet to come to fruition will. And so may that bring great joy, peace, comfort, and rest to our hearts as we celebrate Christmas this year. And Lord, as we look around and we wonder what's going on in the world and things are getting worse, may that broaden our boldness. May that bring great peace to go to others and share with them the blessed hope that we have in Jesus. Father, may the joy overflow in us through the hope and the promise that we've been given via the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that's living and active in those whom believe. We thank you. We love you. We pray this in your name, dear Jesus. And all God's children say, Amen. Amen.